Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Hey fellas, welcome to Man Challenge. Uh, we are in week number four of Man Challenge groups meeting all around the city for our fall semester. Chris, would you articulate why are we gathering for this thing called Man Challenge? What's, what's the deal with this? Um, well, I, you know, you could probably give a few reasons uh, as, our, as the why uh, some of the guys are here. Our hope is that you're here to learn about Jesus. Yep. Right, and you're here to connect with men in a real, uh, deep, meaningful way. And so, uh, our, our hope for all the men that uh, attend man, man Challenge is that you grow in your confidence and competence in who Jesus is. Who is he? The Jesus of the Bible, um, not uh, not the the wise old owl that people may quote here and there, but the actual Jesus of Nazareth as revealed to us in God's Word. And then. Uh, link arms with a group of men that are all chasing after him uh, for the purpose of using their gifts uh, for God's glory and the good of others and in a way that you can be known and to know others um, with no, no guardrails, no safeguards, no apologies uh, for what you're sharing, uh, but with the purpose of not, you're no good, I'm no good, isn't it glad we have each other, but mm-hmm. this is where I fall short. I'm not honoring God in these ways, or I, I didn't even know I was called to honor God in that way. Uh, hold me accountable to that. Help me grow in that. Sharpen me in that uh, for the purpose of a group of men, an army of men, uh, shining God's light in a community so that he may be known more. Yep. Men join teams to win, not to suck. So <laughs> the best way to win is to become fully known and to fully know a few, and that's when God can start doing some crazy stuff. Mm. Thank you. Hey, Sam, uh, for those of us, first off, if your first time is today here at Man Challenge in your group, welcome, man. You're in good company. Uh, We are all imperfect dudes trying to figure this whole thing out and what abiding and remaining all this stuff means. But, Sam, for a guy that this is her first time, they haven't heard the previous three sessions, bring bring us up to speed. Yeah, on, sure. On what so welcome. Like Ronnie said, to echo that, uh, you're in the right place. That's what Burke said last mm-hmm. week. Uh, so we're in uh, one of the Gospels, which would be one of the books of the Bible that kind of tell the story of who Jesus is and what he did, um, what he taught. And we're in chapter 15. So this is before he goes to the cross. He's with his small group of, of close followers and best friends. And he's giving them the last major teaching before he goes and is crucified. Um, and what we've looked at the past uh, three weeks, the first two, we explored this metaphor where Jesus explains that he is the true vine. Uh, God the Father is, is the gardener. And we are branches. And if we're connected to that vine, we will be fruitful. If we are separated from that vine, we're a stick, and sticks are burned and thrown away. Uh, Fruit that would be born through us by connecting to him would look something like love, joy, peace, and patience. We see that in a really helpful list in Galatians 5.22. The third week, last week, we kind of stepped out of the metaphor and started looking at uh, how do we live this out? What does that look like in our day-to-day? And we saw that... uh, 
to be in the love of the Father, that also is synonymous with being obedient to his commands. Uh, We talked about staying in that sweet spot, staying in the pocket. That is the best place for us, the safest place, the only place where there is life and fruit. Uh, And then also we saw that uh, staying connected to the vine, staying in the love of the Father, yields this reality known as joy, complete joy, fulfillment, uh, affirmation that we are living out our destiny and our purpose when we are connected to the true vine. So that's where we've been for the first uh, three weeks. Uh, if you've missed it, we've got all those recordings saved, and also you've only got 13 verses to read to catch up. There you go. Uh, and today we jump into verse 14. Yeah, and so we're going to focus on two specific aspects of, of today's verses, friendship and fruit. And so, Chris, why don't you tee us up by reading those verses for us? Will do. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do, excuse me, verse 13. Greater, wait a second, 13 or 14? 14. 14. 14, there we go, I was right the first time. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father... I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Yep. So last week we talked about the confusion, um, I think in verse 10, around the, you know, if you obey, um, remain in my love. And uh here we are again today. Man, this whole thing, it's, you know, it, it builds on each other and it all, it's mm-hmm. all, t- we can't, it's why it's important that we look at a whole context and not just a verse. Because again, here we are today, verse 14, making it sound like friendship with Jesus, which is a hard concept for us to grasp first off, but it makes it sound like he's a conditional friend, mm. almost a wishy-washy friend. Like if, if you're being nice to him, he'll, he'll be a friend. So, we know that's not true, but Chris, how do you reconcile verse 14 regarding the word if and, you know, why is our motive for obedience? Right. Well, you know, so important. First off, it's always important to, to take, you know, the full measure of God's word. That's why we're so passionate about encouraging you guys to uh, dive into that. And uh, we don't want to be too topical with pulling a verse here, pulling a verse there. Obviously, we've been going through this thing verse by verse, and we've hit heavy on identity. Our identity is in that God loves us unconditional, that agape love. Uh, he, sent, he loved us so much, he sent Jesus down the cross. Through our faith in that, we have eternal salvation. Mm-hmm. Like, make that very clear. But Jesus tells us, you know, in some of these verses, some very practical stuff about what it looks like to be in a relationship with him, right? You're my friends if you do what I command. Now, the beautiful thing about God's commands is, as we've hit, they're, they're, they're for our good and for his glory. But God calls us into a friendship with him. Jesus is saying, if you're my friend, you're going to do what I've called you to do, which is to love God and love others. Um, and that, that's not a burdensome command. That is to make him known. Um, you know, and I, I think about the verse in James 4.4 4 where uh, James actually is, you know, friendship, are you friends, friends with the world? You're friends with me, mm. you know? Uh, friendship with the world is in, 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 give me the word, Sam. Enmity. Enmity uh, versus God. Like, we, we can't have it both ways. We can't be friends with the world, friends with God. Uh, we are called uh, into this sacrificial love to follow Jesus, uh, to die to self, 
to love others in a way that points people to him. And uh, when we're doing that, we are living in friendship with Jesus. Mm. Um, and so that's not a salvation thing. That's a obedience thing uh, that is for our good, that gives us that John, John 10, 10 uh, fullness, that joy we talked about last week. Um, and so uh, this concept of walking in step, that relationship, that two-way relationship, we know Jesus loves us. How are we showing, us, how are we showing our love for Jesus? Uh, and that's what he's calling us to there. We know this to be true, too. In a lot of ways, this is totally common sense. Like, every relationship has guardrails. Like, there are certain ways that you can treat your wife that are acceptable and unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your employer, if you don't show up to your job, he is no longer your employer. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are my friends, you will keep my commands. Mm -hmm. There's a certain way you treat Mm -hmm. people in certain relationships. I think there's a lot of just common sense to this, too. Yeah, and, you know, when you think about friendship, it's based on it's a yes and it's about consistent giving and receiving Mm -hmm. it's about helping and being helped it's about serving and being served or allowing your friend to serve you it's about loving and being loved it's not like that's friendship that's biblical friendship because it's selfless and selfish you know it's it's give and take it's us uh helping lift our friends hands and arms up when they're heavy, but it's also us. It's that mutual transformation. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of friendship Jesus modeled. And so when we see this, you know, it's like, hey, you're my, you're my friend if, let's be clear here, Jesus isn't pursuing being our friend with a conditional piece to it. The condition is, are we going to be a close friend by by pursuing yeah. being a are faithful friend? Are we choosing to partner back, in that relationship? Being back, well, we right. pursued us friend. first. Yeah, you right. know, I sit there and I think when I graduated undergrad in college in '96, and you know, four years undergrad, you're you're with your friends every day uh, except for weekends, and then everybody graduates, and in my case, like we all start moving across the country and we're not together every day. And this was back before cell phones. This was when you know you made a long distance call. It cost you like forty cents a minute. And so, you know, I had two friends in particular. I'm like, you know, one ended up, we all ended up long distance. And so I was, you know, I'm a relationship different guy. And so I started, you know, every couple of weeks, I'd, I'd make a phone call to these two guys individually. And, you know, we talked for 20, 30 minutes. And, you know, then the phone bill starts coming in. And I'm like, man, this friendship's costing me something. Mm. And after about a year, by the way, this is a wrong lens, but this is reality. After about a year, I was like, Man, screw this. I'm, I'm calling them. It's, they're not getting charged 40 cents a minute for answering the phone. And so I finally I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop calling and see what happens. And guess what? Uh, the phone didn't ring. And mm. so it really caused me to you know, kind of deal with some anger and be like, well, man, I, did I have a fake friendship? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just had, I had one that wasn't a healthy mutual. It was, it was all one-sided. Mm-hmm. And we had great conversations where I called. The good news is Jesus doesn't step back and, and do what I did, um, but he is a gentleman, and so it, take, it takes that both. Um, so anyway. Here's the funny thing, though. You probably still love that dude, and if he called you tomorrow, you, you, there's no like hope. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, about- it's about time. I called you 15 times. Mm-hmm. That's how Jesus. But that makes your relationship stale and distant. And, and, and he's defining the nature of that. Mm. Um, so it's not, you know, a, again, not a, not a perfect analogy, but it is, it is a, a good one from that standpoint. Mm. So Sam, let's, let's talk verse 15. Sure. 
Uh, so we just said, you are my friends, if you do it, I command. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Um, that word servant, bond servant, some translations you might have may even say slave, and Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but friends, I think it's helpful uh, if we kind of try to somewhat define our terms here uh, to try to better understand what type of relationship Jesus is welcoming us into, inviting us into. Um, there's all kinds of places your mind might go with that, but fortunately Jesus just clarifies it for us right in that very verse. He says that the difference between a servant and a friend is that everything I have learned from the Father, I've made known to you. Um, so a, a, a servant would be like a hired or an in, indebted mm -hmm. person who essentially is a tool or maybe like a pawn in a chess game. And sometimes we have that idea of God that we're just pawns on a chessboard being moved around. And Jesus is like, that's not the relationship I'm inviting you to. It's a friend. It's a partner. So he's brought us into the fold with him and he's given us purpose. So this is more than just, I'm here to help you. It's, it's not just that we are doing this for him. He's inviting us to do it with him, which may be, for some of us, completely different than how we were raised to view God. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to spend some time chewing on that, mm -hmm. you know? How, mm. how have you approached God? Have you, have you thought that in his eyes you're just a pawn, yet Jesus is inviting you to be a friend? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so there's a danger here. You know, sure. there's, there's power and danger all wrapped up in Scripture here, depending on how we use it. But there is a danger of us getting too relaxed in our friendship, mm -hmm. you know, i.e. grace. Our friend's always going to extend us grace and abusing that. You know, I remember I was at a Christian concert years ago, and this t-shirt by the way there's a lot of christian cheese out there if you're not aware of this you know going in the christian bookstore and hey buy some testaments jesus is my homeboy that's exactly it. this <laughs> dude's wearing this dude's wearing this t-shirt thanks for giving the joke punchline <laughs> this guy jesus is my homeboy and it's like <sighs> yeah without mm. unpacking that but there is jesus is our friend mm. and he doesn't want us to be sit up straight and be be but there's this also this danger of us getting too relaxed and I, I remember hearing somebody ask years ago he says if you were to die and you know you're up in front of Jesus you're seeing him face to face the first time is your first response to to just go go up and give him a big bear hug or is it to fall on your face um, mm. at his feet? And so I'm curious for you guys, how do you all, Chris, how do you apply pursuing both? Well, I, it's, it's a deep one. I almost feel uncomfortable referring to Jesus as my friend because he's my Lord. He's the King of Kings. He's... He was there in the beginning. He's Alpha and Omega. Like, I, I just, I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with that. But I will say, you know, there's some verses that, and, it, it, you know, we talk about, like, how we, how we grasp this concept and then how we deliver it to our, to our children or to those uh, around us. Like, 
you know, I, I just think about the beautiful, humble nature of Jesus, that he did not think equality was something to be grasped. And he came down and put on flesh for us to, uh, he was tempted in every way that we were. Like he is someone that he's calling us into a relationship with, with him, not in a way up there and we're way down here kind of way that allows me to enter into that. Uh, so in the context of this conversation of friendship, like he's the best friend. He's that friend that calls you to uh, look at things through the, the most purest of lens that, that is that model that is the author and perfecter of our faith that, that, that sharpens us in a way that no man can. Mm. But yet he's real. He's in us. He's, he's for us. So um, I also think just this concept of friendship, and again, we, we're not called to like separate ourselves from all non-believers, but I do think it's in the context of man challenge, like if Jesus is our friend, Jesus is the model of uh, the best friend that you could have. Like, I think it does give us some, some uh, reason to evaluate our friendships. Uh, are the men in our life that are closest to us, that we spend the most time, we talked about this a little bit last week, like how's it going? Like how are your friendships going? Are those calling you higher? How's your friendship with Jesus? How's your friendship with the Holy Spirit? How is it? How's it going? And just, uh, you know, have a conversation about that might be a good question to kick around uh, at our tables this week. Um, do you view Jesus as your best friend, the Holy Spirit, uh, as your best friend? Uh, and is Jesus and faith in Jesus a part of your relationships uh, outside of Man Challenge? Uh, I think it's a worthy topic to kick around. I think a quick point, just where you started in terms of feeling uncomfortable with it, I think the disciples felt that exact same way mm -hmm. uh, for a couple reasons. I think, I mean, the culture around them, think the Greco-Roman world, they've got this pantheon of gods that there's a big storm out in the ocean. Well, we should go throw a virgin in a volcano and see if it appeases Poseidon's mm -hmm. wrath. Like everything was about uh, appeasing the, the wrath of these gods who were far off deists that didn't have relationships with us. And Jesus is saying, God who created everything, he wants a relationship with you. I think that was such a foreign concept sure. to them that they were like, man, that's uncomfortable. And I think it's evidenced in him saying it to them that they needed to hear it mm -hmm. in the same way that we do mm -hmm. too. And not to mention, they, they, they saw the wind and the waves obey him. Mm -hmm. And they were like, who is this dude? Now, he, now he, he's saying I'm his friend. Like, just imagine that concept. You know what I mean? That's um, good. Yeah, so the, the guy who the wind and the waves obey is telling me I'm, I'm not his servant, I'm his friend. Uh, that's, that's beautiful for all so of us to ponder. to answer your question, if I bring that down for me in friendship, I also feel very uncomfortable. So in kind of chewing through this text this past week or so, I, I've thought about, you know, Jesus wears a lot of hats. We've talked about him as Lord, Savior, Friend, Redeemer, Vine, Door, Light, all kinds of things. When I think about my, my two-and-a-half-year-old, I wear a lot of hats for him. I'm the judge. I'm the discipliner. I also am, am the, the source of fun, getting down on the floor, rolling around. I wear a lot of hats. And I think about how does he approach me? Um, we have a little bucket swing that we've hung from our deck out back, and he'll be in it. And he'll look over and he'll say, Dad, you want to swing with me? And we have a regular swing next to it. And he'll invite me into it. And when I think about friendship, I think about fun. When I think about my boys, I have a lot of fun with, my, with my, my buddies. We take a trip to the gorge every year, and there's nothing really special about it, but it's just so much fun spending quality time together, and it, it requires an invitation and bringing him in. 
And, and we've said last week that when, when we are abiding in the love of Christ, we are being obedient. So we, when we do invite him in, we do it his ways. So I'll give you two real quick examples of how I think I have uh, maybe grown and seen Jesus as my friend. And I think it ties in with obedience and, and having fun. Uh, one is in finances, that when I invite Jesus into my financial portfolio, and, and I, I steward his resources in the way that he's told me, I've had some of the most fun I've ever had, being able to bless and serve and help others. There's no regret or, or embarrassment that follows up with that in the way that sometimes having too much fun with some buddies can be. Mm. It, it is pure and it is true. It's complete. Uh, and another example, and maybe this is uh, going a little far, but we're men. Let's be real. Uh, there's few things more fun than having sex with my wife. Mm. Let's be real. And, and when Speak. I do that in the confines of how God has, has set that gift up, when I do it in the confines of marriage with my wife, man, I can enjoy that, mm. and I can thank him for it, and I, I, I can accept that gift for what it is outside of the way that Jesus sets that up. When I don't invite him into that, it's followed by shame and regret. Mm. Um, so in terms of friendship, and I think of fun, I think it involves an invitation. Mm. Uh, Ron Dog, I would say... What are your thoughts on this? How, and t- maybe teaching the kids how to view Jesus as a friend, how you were pursuing that. Yes. First, I'm not going to comment on the the sex because I <laughs> I go to sixth grade middle school boys. So, uh, but I do agree with that. Um, you know, I think of and there's different schools of thoughts on this. I've got uh, three kids, 14, 11, and seven, two girls and a boy, and I I believe. Um, I hope. When they get to college, I'm not like, well, that was bad advice. But I believe I can be their friend and their parent at the same time. Like there's some school, no, you can't be their friend until they're grown adults. I, I disagree with that. I believe you can be their friend and their parent. I think the key is you can just never confuse with them or yourself which comes first. Um, and I think that's where we'll get in trouble. And so like relating that to Jesus and friendship with him, I think it's like, man, he does want to be our friend. Like, he, he, wants, he wants to hang out with me. He wants to, you know, go to the gorge, so to speak, with mm-hmm. me. But in that, I think my role, responsibility, is to make sure that I don't get too relaxed. There's a reverence there. And forget that, man, he's my dad um, first. And, um, and so he wants what's best for mm-hmm. me. And so I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, I, that's how I, I dissect it. And this is, this is something that, man, I've got more questions than answers right now. But that is the one thing. One of my goals for my, each of my kids is to graduate each of them from high school and send them off out of our home with an authentic faith of their own. Not, you know, getting to college and why are you a Christian? Well, because my parents are. Like a true, like they know why they believe in a true authentic. But a big part of that is I want them to develop a friendship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it speaks to a distance or a proximity. Mm. How do you view him? Yeah. Is he way off or yeah. is he right there with you? You know? It's good. So let's move on to verse 16. That's, that's good stuff. Um, you know, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you Mm-mm-mm. and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Let's, Sam, let's talk verse 16. You know, I believe this is one of the most awe-striking, humbling mm-hmm. verses in the Scripture, the three words, I chose you. Um, wow. Yeah, I agree. What's significant 
uh, of these three words for every man who's hearing this. Uh, one thing I know about men, we don't like rejection. We talked about last week. Maybe you haven't ever felt affirmation. Maybe your dad didn't tell you he loved you. Maybe you have never felt like you've earned his, his favor or his praise or his approval. Um, yeah, if you take nothing else away from this week, uh, if you're watching the video, write these three words down. Write down, he chose me. Mm-hmm. If you're listening on podcast, I would encourage you to say it out loud. Like, I know that's awkward, but say mm-hmm. it. Say it loud enough so somebody will hear you. He chose me. That, that is the invitation that Jesus gives, is that he chose you. M- maybe you're a single guy, and this is something you really wrestle with, not feeling good enough, not feeling loved. Maybe during COVID, you, you've lost a job. Uh, maybe it's part of an overflow of the relationship you've had with your earthly father, or lack thereof. Um, the God of all creation chose you. That should put fire in our chest. That is our identity. Pause it, flip over to Ephesians chapter 1 and read it out loud. Mm. Before the foundation of the earth was laid, he chose you. He chose you to walk into his grace and he calls you sons. That is the identity that we are invited into here. He chose you you. But it's beautiful. He doesn't just stop there. Right. More than just that he chose you, well now he's, he's appointed you. Mm-hmm. He's, he's chosen you. There's your identity. Right? And mm-hmm. now he's, he's sent you. There's your purpose. Um, to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. I love the delineation there. Right? Go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Eternal fruit. Fruit that is good. Uh, we talked about the, the fruits of the spirit in Galatians 5.22. And I've been uh, reading this great book by Charles Stanley about the spirit-filled life and just the difference between uh, showcasing my gifts for my own glory or using the gifts God has given me to bear fruit that he produces as opposed to trying to work them out of my own flesh for my own uh, glorification. And that's two very different things. But what a purpose. Our identity is that we've been chosen by the God of the universe and our purpose is to go bear fruit fruit that will last. And when you're in your sweet spot, you are using the gifts he has given you for eternal purposes, fruit that will last. Um, And so sometimes that is big and and mighty things like uh, investing in a cause that that is changing the life of a community that needs your help. And some of that is the daily dying to self, um, to show a coworker who is really hard to love that you actually care about them. Mm. Sometimes it's mountaintops. Sometimes it's a step along a rocky path. But like God has called you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. The only way to do that that I, that I know is to abide and to, to, to go to him in that daily pursuit of uh, being in relationship with him so that you can bear fruit, fruit that will last. That is the calling of our life. That is the fragrance that is attractive to others. That is... Uh, is the means by which we will be able to share the good news. Um, amen. That's, that's, that's what should get you up uh, and rejoice. And each day God gives us uh, to do that uh, humbly for his glory, not our own. And, and it's a key word there is to be faithful. 
Like, that's our role is to be faithful. Um, and I'm encouraged when I see, see a guy like you. You're not the only guy at Man Challenge, but a guy who's being faithful to you bring guys in, you intentionally invest in them, and then you send them out. Mm. Um, there, there would be a lot less Man Challenge tables here at Man Challenge if you brought guys in you know, eight years ago and said, man, I'm going to invest in these guys. And then, you know, a year later, man, I don't want to send these guys out. I, I like hanging out with these guys. And it is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, bear much fruit making disciples. It's hard. Uh, it's worth it. It is. But it's hard because it's like, well, man, it, it almost feels like we're breaking up. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not. We're sending out. And, and I think there's a confusion that bearing fruit means we have to unfriend guys when we send them out. But it's not. It's not. We can still still catch up. But appointed, we were appointed because he chose us to bear much fruit, fruit that'll last. Real quick, if you haven't caught, one of Burke's main secret weapons is all the bright orange he wears. It attracts <laughs> a lot of people. You can see him from far yeah. off. It's like I don't know if y'all noticed. Moss to the flame. These guys wore the same outfits last week. <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. I'm going to wear it every week. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. The only other thing I would say about verse 16, just so we don't uh, skip over it, the way it ends is so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, uh, he may give it to you. So if you've been here with us the past three prior weeks, uh, we've we've talked through this almost every week, but just in case this is your first week, this is one of those moments where it feels like a blank check that ask whatever you want and you'll get it. But we have said, you know, very clearly there is a context in which he has said this, who he's talking to, what the guardrails are. And a great analogy Burke used a couple weeks ago was, you know, if Sam said, hey, if you need anything, let me know, man. And like, he doesn't mean like anything. It's not like, <laughs> hey, I want your house, give it to me. Yeah. But rather like, yeah, if you need to talk, mm-hmm. give me a call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's all we got to say about that. Yep. So we're coming up, you know, we talked about remain, abide, be the branch. The option is you're, you're being a branch, connect the vine, or you're a stick. And then bear much fruit or be a fruit loop. Those are the options, right? <laughs> They're delicious to eat. Nobody wants to be called a fruit loop, though. So those are two things. I mean, it's interesting. You, you want to be, I love, this time of the year when the weather starts, I love sitting around the fire pit. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to be like, hey, we're out of wood. Let's just throw Sam in there he's a stick right so it's it's all about this pursuit but I digress pretty quickly here so uh verse 17 it's this is my command Mm. to love each other again we hear this word command that that can sound like a dictator type of type of deal uh it's not it's it's a strong term yeah you know it's to give an authoritative order but in verse 17 the order is not to serve me Mm. it's not to hey just make my life easier it's this is my command love each other and so the awesome thing is that we're we're our father god sent his son jesus here to this earth to model for us he there's two reasons why jesus came to earth one is to to model for us how to live and second is to become our savior, to die on the cross for our sins. And so the good news is we don't have a God who just sits back and be like, go do this, this grunt work. Mm-hmm. It's like he's saying, no, pay it forward what you saw me modeling while I was here. And so it's important for us to remember here that Jesus is with his disciples 
throughout this entire Be the Branch passage, right? Um, he, and so he's talking to men who he's spent time with, mm-hmm. years with. So when he commands them to love each other, I believe it serves two purposes. One is to go all in for your core group of friends because love's a verb. And it's like, let's model, model this love that I've modeled for you. So that second purpose is to model for unbelievers what true agape love looks like. Because the world does not know agape love. The world knows, hey, if, you, if you're nice mm-hmm. to me, I'll, I'll probably mm-hmm. be nice back. Mm-hmm. That's not, and he's like, that's not even love. Um, that's easy to do. But it's, it's to model what true agape love looks like. This, I love you because I love you to our neighbor. To, I love you because I love you to a coworker. Um, because this is a key ingredient in making disciples and bearing much fruit. Um, Jesus, over and over again, and throughout the, the threads of Scripture, you know, he talks about, man, we can do all these great things, but if we do it without love, if we have not love, what's he call it? It's like resounding gongs, mm-hmm. cymbals, um, white noise. And so Jesus knew that if the disciples did not love each other the way he modeled for them, um, none of it will work. None of it will work. They wouldn't really have anything appealing to those mm-hmm. who they're trying to reach. And so we've talked about friendship. Can, with, can I just say on that note real quick? Yeah, please. He's sending them out to change the world. He's about to die. He's sending them out to change the world. This is my command. Love each other. And, and, and it gets me fired up because religion has, has turned so many people away from Jesus. Mm. And it fires me up. Because religion has made you believe that you have like all these things to do. Yet Jesus makes it pretty clear, pretty simple for us. Yeah, we try to complicate it. We it's try simple. to, man, like love them as I loved you. Well, but what if that, no matter. Love, love them. them as I loved you. Like he makes it simple for us. So if somebody out there has made like church and, and Christianity like super complicated for you, run the other way because it's not. It's a, it's a call to put your faith in Christ, to love God and love others. Uh, now, how to fully unpack that? You need to know the scripture. But like anybody that's, that's told you there's this like super complicated checklist to be in the club, mm. they're lying to you because that's not the Jesus we find in the gospel. Yep. And on that note, this is the same message for the entirety of this book. Uh, not to give you homework, but I would say look up Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. And then look up what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. It it is the same thing throughout the whole of Scripture. Love God, love people. Mm. It is not like some complicated thing, and he's always moving the target for us to try to hit. Literally, it's that Mm -hmm. simple. We complicate it, and when we fail to live this way, we tarnish his name. But this is what he calls us to love. That's it. But you know what? Even when we we fail, if we pursue humility Mm. and own it, that still gives us an opportunity to point towards Jesus' Amen. redemptive power. So even when we blow it, when, not if, we still have an opportunity to model uh, for that. So guys, we've, uh, to, to bring this thing home, we've talked about friendship, which is a hard concept with Jesus. We Christ followers, those who have accepted Christ, are appointed to go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. Then Jesus brings it home with the command to love each other, the agape, the I love you because I love you, unconditional, I'm going to, I'm going to go in 100% even if you're 1% or 0%. The key here is that Jesus modeled perfectly what all three of these things look like. And so why is love the key 
to everything from Jesus' perspective. It's not just, man, it's, it's really, it helps when we add love. No, it's the key to everything. Well, why is it? Because it literally is what drove Jesus to do everything he modeled for us. Mm. Everything. Not most things. Love is what drove him to leave heaven, um, which is perfect, and to come to this earth to model for us how to live. Love is basically what drove his entire ministry. Because his entire ministry, when you really look at it, was basically interruptions. He didn't, you know, open up his calendar and, sit and plan his day. He was like, love people um, and model for them how to live. And so, you know, time and time again, it's like he, he tried to get away to get refreshed. People came to him with their problems. He didn't say, don't bother. He's, he had compassion on him because lo- love drove him. Um, every time in Scripture... He had compassion on them. Love is what drove him to have hard, truthful conversations. Um, but they were always seasoned with grace because they were based in love. Um, you know, in other words, like he didn't just, ah, when the woman at the well came, he, he didn't just be like, ah, oh, that's a, I mean, he spoke hard truth. Mm-hmm. You know, go and sin no more, but he loved her. Love's what compelled Jesus to call each of his disciples to take their next step of faith. He didn't say, okay, you guys are doing pretty good. He's like, no, he's constantly calling them higher, not to earn more of his love because he knew that's, that's why we're here, to, to pursue intentional, authentic relationships with each other um, in an agape-type fashion to develop a heart for others, to pursue developing both a competence and confident understanding of who Jesus is. I mean, they got a front-row seat to that. Um, and then love's also what drove Jesus to not only be willing to die on the cross for all of our sins, which would be something, but to actually follow through with that. Um, even though he was like, man, in the garden, he was like, I, I wish there was anything else we could do here, Father, but your will, not mine. And by dying on the cross, it allowed God the Father to extend grace to us, a free gift that we do not deserve. This position, Jesus to be able to extend eternal friendship to us that lasts longer than life here on this earth, it extends up into heaven. And that's unconditional love, and that's unconditional friendship. It's love, not arrogance, why Jesus, why God the Father is clear to us in John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, the only way to have Jesus' complete joy, as we talked about last week, the only way to bear much fruit that will last, and the only way to have friendship with Jesus is to put your faith and trust in him, you know, to put all your weight on him. This is the only way you'll uh, ever be compelled to truly love each other um, and to accept unconditional love that Jesus has modeled for you by accepting Jesus as both your Savior and Lord. Making Jesus Savior of your life is instant. Mark 16, 16 says, says, anyone who believes and is baptized, which is an act of obedience, will be saved. That's instant. Jesus is, is instantly our Savior. So that's our, that's our finish line. But the Lord piece, that, that pursuing friendship with Jesus, striving to center our life around Jesus completely, our, our relationships, our finances, our lifestyle, that's a lifelong pursuit. And that's what man challenges, helping us link arms and make that pursuit together. Love and joy, friendship and fruit. That's all I have to say about that. You guys have anything to add on that? I think you covered it. Okay. 
what's one table discussion question you guys would throw out based on based on this topic this passage I said mine earlier, man, how are you doing with your friendships? Jesus is, is the model of the ultimate best friend. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think we would all do well as men to just kind of have that mentality of how am I doing? That, that self-evaluation in, in, in all areas of our life, our health, our, our, our relationships, our finances, our work. Um, but specifically as it pertains to this passage, like how are you doing with your friendships? Are you a... Uh, thermometer or thermostat are you around men that sharpen you or do you seek to be around men that help you hide how you Mm -hmm. doing with your friendships it's good sam i'd point back to verse 16 you did not choose me but i chose you uh i would say how's that land for you how are you doing it believing that and living out of that reality uh maybe what's getting in the way of you really living out of that, that he, he chose you. Ron Dog, what do you think? Man, these last three words, love each other. Hmm. Um, where are you winning with, with, with loving those in your inner circle? If you're married, your wife. If you have kids, your kids. Coworkers, neighbor. There's different clusters, but like, Anybody in your sphere of influence, would they be surprised if, if they found out, if, if this is true, that you're a Christ follower? Um, if you think there's a, there's a glimpse of that, that they'd be like, what? Um, what do you need to change, you know, in, this, in the spirit of pursuing love in each other? I know that's, that's real generic, but it's something to wrestle with. So, uh, Sam, why don't you pray, pray for us, and then we'll turn it over to you, table leaders. Sure. Father, thank you for uh, your work your perfect, completed work uh, in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you chose us and you've appointed us and you've made us friends and partners with you, not just for you, uh, but you've brought us with you. So God, may, may we live out of that reality this week. Uh, for the men who are hearing this message, uh, and maybe this is the first time they've heard the gospel, uh, I pray, Spirit, that you would open their eyes to your goodness, to your love. Um, For anyone who's got uh, myths or false uh, religious junk in their past that hinders them from believing that you love them, God, would you expose that? And would you use the men in the rooms and tables where they sit uh, to encourage them and speak life into them and to sharpen them uh, for their good and your glory? We thank you for it. It's in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.